Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, and I'm so glad to be back with you. I took a couple of weeks off while I uh, dealt with some medical issues, but I'm happy to be back to talk about the month of the military child and community support programs for military kids. Today's an exciting show, uh, especially if you have dependents, know of veterans who have dependents, um, you can share this great information. Joining us today will be Caitlin Golombieski, MSU 4-H Club, Luke Gerke of Camp Corral at Camp Manitoulin, and Mary Drew of OK to Say. It's an exciting show today. It's something that, you know, you're going to want to check out Google and, and look up some of these this information for your children. We definitely want you to stick around and stay tuned to enjoy our show today. We'll see you after the break on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Sonetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. I am getting back into the groove of things and so excited to be able to talk about Month of the Military Child with you. As many of you probably know, I have six children. Yes, six. Um, two sets of twins in there. So, you know, really trying to make sure that, you know, with both of my husband and I, both being veterans, that, you know, our children uh, were well-rounded and that they had opportunities out there uh, to, I guess, um, have recreation with children who understood what they dealt with. And, you know, my, my oldest children, you know, they were around uh, during the time that both of us were still in the military. So I, I just, I remember um, uh, my uh, almost 22-year-old now, saying, you know, this is the first time we've been in the same school for more than a year. And so she was just really excited to be in the same school. So there are definitely different things that um, children of the military deal with. But, you know, I also have children who were not around when I served um, and my husband served as well. And so they have a different perspective, but they get the benefit of the the uh, military style of parenting, I guess, if that's a thing. Right. Uh, you know, dress right, dress with your shoes and making your bed with the corners. And so, um, you know, that's a whole different perspective from children who were raised by someone who served in the military because a lot of that rubs off, which is why I think it's really important that um, those children uh, see other children like them. But they also participate in programs that are about helping them to build resilience because, you know, military children, you know, they're in homes where, you know, some of their parents have seen some things and dealt with some things that, you know, the average person has not. And uh, some of that is manifest in the way that they they parent. And, and I'll just speak from personal experience. I will say that, you know, some of the, the experiences that I had were manifest into the way that I parent, good or bad. That's that's what it was. And so um, really making sure that there's support out there. And so we have some folks coming on today to talk about some of those programs. And I will say that um, I always sought programs for my children and they've participated in some of these things. Um, you know, one of the programs we're going to talk about today as well is uh, the OK to Say program. And, and that's one of those programs that's near and dear to my heart. And, you know, when uh, Mary Drew comes on to speak about that, she'll be speaking about what, what the program is now and how it can help your children. But I will say that, you know, um, during the time that I was able to uh, share those presentations and 
go into schools and to communities to talk about that program, it was really impactful for me because okay to say saved lives. So, you know, as you're, you're waiting for uh, Mary Jo to come on and speak about this, you, you may want to check it out. Um, it's something that if your school is not having posters and billboards and things up um, of that nature in their school to protect your children or your grandchildren, um, then you may want to talk to them about that. Um, you know, one of the other things I will say, talking about the month of the military child, is that um, the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, which works with caregivers all over the country, has just created this hidden helpers program for children who are um, helping out parents. And I think about the fact that, you know, during a time I was in a wheelchair, I was told I'd never walk again. And I had three young children at home at the time who had to see me go through that. And they were the ones bringing me my slippers or, you know, bringing me my water or helping me out, um, just like my husband was helping me out. Um, but they didn't, they didn't get any respite or relief from that. And so to have a program that's created for children who are helping those parents is huge. So if you have an opportunity, go to elizabethdolefoundation.org, I believe it is, and check it out. Check out the Hidden Helpers program, see how you can participate or support and uh, really take advantage of that. Um, the uh, Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency website also, just to let you know, has an events page which can be accessed at michigan.gov slash MVAA slash events. And so you wanna check out events there. If, if there are events um, happening or that we're partnering on or some of those uh, special events in the community, we'll share, share them there. Um, that could be things that are just for you or things that are for your children as well. But I will also say that if you want to have us at your event, if you wanna have us at your event, please, please, please go to that page, go to the MVAA website and complete a form to have us at your event. Um, we are always looking forward to participating, to sharing information, to, to gaining knowledge as well. And um, we're, we're always looking for, for that. Finally, I wanna say that April is not only month of the military child, but it's also uh, celebrates all that take time to volunteer. So I would uh, like to take a moment actually to give a round of applause to all of our volunteers who are buddy to buddy uh, program mentors, coordinators um, through our Buddy to Buddy program. I want to thank you so much for taking uh, time to help our veterans when they need a veteran to hear them and to walk with them. If you want to know more about the Buddy to Buddy program, you should go to our website at mvaa.com. Um, you can also give us a call at 1-800-MICHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. And you can find out more about either, you know, having a Buddy to Buddy program uh, reach out to you, or you can find out how you can volunteer to be a buddy-to-buddy -buddy mentor. Um, we cannot do our mission and complete our mission um, without these individuals. So thank you so much to all of those buddy-to-buddy -buddy volunteers out there. Again, we have an exciting show for you today. Um, we are excited to share it all with you. And so you definitely uh, don't want to miss out on all the opportunities for your dependents or your uh, your uh, friends dependents, right? In case you don't have any. So don't go away. When we return, we will begin our conversation with Caitlin Golem Bieski from Michigan State University's 4-H program for military children. Don't go away.
Welcome back to WJR's Veterans Perspective. Joining me as my first guest today is Caitlin Golombieski. Caitlin is a 4-H Youth Development Program Coordinator with Michigan State University Extension. She had attended MSU and graduated with a BS in fisheries and wildlife. She began her career and extension as a Huron Pines AmeriCorps member from Macomb County MSU Extension and Sea Grant in 2017. And her Macomb County 4-H Program Coordinator role she works closely with the Detroit Arsenal Children and Youth Services Professionals to support 4-H programming on the base. In addition to her program coordinator role, Caitlin also serves as the Michigan 4-H Military Liaison, working to provide a connection between Michigan 4-H and military-connected families across the state. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. And, you know, I, I, I grew up really... Um, in Chicago, like literally the south side of Chicago. And so I didn't know what 4-H was because that is something that I don't think that we had those types of programs in that area. Can you tell everyone what 4-H is and what what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So 4-H is um, the uh, largest uh, youth development organization um, in the country. Um, And it's the largest one here in Michigan. Um, And so we reach uh, youth ages five to 19, and it's all about just hands-on learning. Um, So we have a lot of volunteers that provide uh, clubs and programs, um, and it's just about finding that spark in kids to see what they're interested in and then using project areas to excite them and get them learning. So it's not all about cows and pigs and <laughs> it is and, not. And animals? No, nope, it is not. It, uh, we definitely got our start um, with agriculture and agriculture education is still a large part of 4-H, but it's not the only thing. Well, that's good to know, because I think that for some people, that's what they associate 4-H with is like, you know, dairy and, you know, chickens and and things like that. And going to the I think it's the county fairs Yep. uh, to show. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really great to know. So can you tell us some of those programs? Yeah, those programs are. Yeah, well, I'll start by saying um, that our project areas span um, a wide range. So I mentioned agriculture, um, but we have kids that participate in 4-H that Um, focus on gardening or um, science um, and uh, STEM project areas. Um, Some of the programs that we offer are um, statewide, and so they could be camps or one-time activities that people can participate in, Um, but really the the bulk of our programming is done at the local county level. So each uh, county has an extension office um, and their local 4-H program is run out of the extension office. Um, And so each county 4-H program looks a little bit different. Um, And there's lots of 4-H clubs for kids to join um, and each club is unique. So that way they can find a club that that fits their needs um, and what interests them. Well, that's that's great. You know, so I know that you have been a military liaison for 4-H as well. And so are there different programs for military kids or is that are they all kind of the same? Um, Both. So we do have some um, military uh, 4-H clubs located at the Detroit Arsenal. Um, So one for middle school students and one for school age students. Um, So we partner closely with them to provide 4-H experiences and clubs. And then across the state, of course, we have military families that can get connected to their local 4-H programs. Um, And from time to time, we offer uh, military-specific programs and activities. So as an example, um, this month uh, in April, we're celebrating Month of the Military Child. And so we have an online goose chase scavenger hunt 
that youth are participating in across the state to uh, celebrate that. That's great. And so is it for, for kids who maybe want to participate, is there a cost? There is not. Nope. Um, some individual experiences uh, cost um, a registration fee, depending on what it is. Um, however, it is absolutely free to join 4-H. So, you know, we, we, we talk about kids and I know that 4-H is for kids. What, what are the age ranges? So 4-H is for youth ages 5 to 19. Um, our five to seven-year-olds are our clover buds, um, so they're not participating in any um, like competitions like at local county fair and whatnot, but they're still integrated into the 4-H program um, and, and working in their project areas and participating. Okay, and we're always talking about, you know, military life and, you know, on this show where we are obviously talking about month of the military child. Um, so why do you think a program like 4-H is important for children in general, but military children as well? Yeah, so um, military bases in the United States and across the world have military 4-H clubs um, so that military families, no matter where they're located um, or stationed, children can join 4-H and feel like they're a part of um, like that same sense of community. Um, so with Michigan military families, a lot of them being geographically dispersed across the state, it's nice that families can join 4-H locally in the county that they live in. Um, and Michigan 4-H can just serve as another means to connect military families and provide that sense of community and youth development programming. So are the programs that you have in Detroit, are they full? Um, are you all taking on new uh, signups uh, for the programs that you have? Um, so... We are always taking on new uh, 4-H members to, to join. However, we're always looking for dedicated adult volunteers to um, go through our screening process and start new 4-H clubs. So we often get a lot of inquiries. Um, and once our clubs are full, um, you know, they, we might not be able to accept any more members. So any caring adult out there that wants to start a 4-H club, um, we, we help them through the process. It only takes um, an adult volunteer and five kids from two or more families to start a 4-H club. Okay. And so, you know, you mentioned a club. Um, is it, is it, I don't know, I'm getting this feeling of Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts. Is it kind of, I mean, do you meet regularly with the club or how does that work? Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. Um, so our clubs meet um, at a minimum six times a year, um, and each club is, is different, and the volunteer and the club members determine what works best for them. Um, so some of our clubs meet once a month, um, others might meet twice a month, um, and really the, the club is, you they conduct their uh, business side of, meet, of the meeting, excuse me, and then they also um, have a learning activity, and they work on their projects. Um, and they can sign up for different project areas too. Are there any special things that, you know, I know that you taught, you said it was from five to 19 as the age range. Are there things that high school students can do to maybe add to, to help their college application, or maybe they can be counselor? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. What, what can the high school students do to really be involved? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have um, actually coming up, we will be, um, really promoting our Michigan 4-H Exploration Days, which is a camp on uh, Michigan State University's campus in June. Um, and that's June 22nd to the 24th. Uh, registration opens April 14th at 7 p.m. And that's for youth ages 
12 to 19. So the camp uh, brings students to campus for three days. They live in the dorms, they um, eat the residence hall food, they find their way to classes, um, take different fun sessions um, and meet kids from all over the state. So I would say that's a, that's a great opportunity for high school youth to kind of experience what um, college is like um, and really gain a, a sense of independence as they uh, go and, and attend their sessions and meet new people from across the state. Well, that definitely does sound fun and looking forward to that opening. Um, actually, uh, yeah, opening up. And so you guys can actually go and sign up now. Um, and so if you can just let folks know which websites they can find out more information about your programs or even to volunteer. Yeah, absolutely. I would say our uh, Facebook page is up to date with all of our upcoming programs and information. So you can find us um, at facebook.com slash MI4H military families. Um, and if you contact me directly via email um, or phone number, I can help connect you to your local county program. Um, so my email address is B-U-R-N-S-K-A-9 at msu.edu. And my phone number is 586-469-5979. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Caitlin. And this was some really great information. We'll make sure that, you know, we share out some of that information and have it available at our resource center. You can always also give us a call at 1-800-MISHFIT to find out more if you didn't get that information. Thank you so much for joining us. And next up, we'll have Luke Gerke from Camp Manitoulin. Stick around, we'll be right back on The Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to The Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now, your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to The Veterans Perspective. Joining me as my next guest is Luke Gerke. Luke Gerke is currently the director of operations at YMCA Camp Manitoulin, a position he has held since May of 2021. He has previously served professionally at YMCA camps in both Missouri and North Carolina and considers himself lucky to go to his day his dream job every single day. Uh, just some information about Camp Manitoulin. Uh, the YMCA camp is in the heart of Western Michigan, conveniently located outside of Grand Rapids. The camp has operated continuously since 1913 on the shores of Lake Barlow and serves as many as 10,000 children, adults, and members of the community every year, giving them the opportunity to have life-changing experiences in the outdoors. Camp Manitoulin is proud to offer summer overnight camp, summer day camp, outdoor environmental education for schools, and rentals for the variety of different groups in West, West Michigan and beyond. They are also excited to be less than two months away from their 109th summer season on the shores of Lake Barlow. Welcome to the show, Luke. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And so, you know, I, I, I see that you've joined Camp Matulin, which, you know, is close to my heart and in May of 2021, still during the pandemic. And I know that um, that I'm sure was a totally different change. Can you just talk about, um, you know, really your involvement in the YMCA camps across the country, but specifically what it was like uh, joining during a pandemic? 
Sure. Um, so I, I, as you stated, I've been with the YMCA since I was 16 years old. Um, I started off as a, a counselor in training at YMCA Camp Lakewood uh, out of the St. Louis YMCA, uh, which is now known as the YMCA of, uh, of the, uh, the Gateway region, um, and, uh, and moved out to North Carolina, um, kind of took a, took a leap. Um, I, I had always wanted to be a camp director. I mean, it's kind of one of those things that uh, you say when you're 10 or 11 years old, and, and maybe your parents don't necessarily uh, think is something to actually follow through on, but uh, here I am 20 years later. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, the camps have had just an incredibly difficult last two to three years. Um, and and in the, the pandemics, we, when I was in North Carolina, we, we were doing virtual learning with kids for, for almost a year and a half. And, and, and camp leaders needed to be dynamic. They needed to be flexible. And uh, I had actually visited Camp Manitoulin previously as a visitor on behalf of Camp Corral. Um, I did a uh, risk assessment visit out here. And um, when the job came open and I saw it, um, I just had a conviction that, that, that I was being called to be a leader. I just kind of felt the call to, to, to step in. Um, and, I, and I told my wife, I said, you know, there's this cute little Y camp up in Michigan. Um, I know I promised you that we'd never move north, but um, here we are today. I'm, I've been the director now for just under a year, and uh, it's it's been the honor of my lifetime. It's it's absolutely fulfilled the childhood dream of being that camp director and getting an opportunity to serve. Um, serving at camp during the pandemic has been has been interesting. Um, you know, particularly in, in in the early days of the pandemic. Um, in my at my camp in North Carolina, we actually operated throughout uh, the summer of 2020, um, and uh, and then here again in Michigan, we operated in 2021. And, um, we've taken a lot of different, um, it's, it's, I think it's, it's really shown the creativity of the camping field. Um, the camping field is, was one of the first to come out with sets of standards, um, well before the CDC, um, officially issued anything. And, and it actually ended up being fairly close to what they recommended for schools. Um, we were doing things like cohorting and, and separating kids out in, in, in groups to, to prevent the spread and, uh, was, uh, just really, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the camp community overall for their response to the pandemic um, and developing strategies to mitigate risks so that kids could still have these important experiences throughout the pandemic and during the pandemic. Well, that's great. And I, you know, I know that, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the Y and, you know, know that, you know, many YMCAs have summer uh, day camps and, and things like that. But, you know, we're talking about month of the military child. So I, I really want to make sure that we um, share some of the information for military children. So um, can you talk a little bit about some of the programs that you have for military, uh, military related children? Yeah, we are we are proud participants in the Camp Corral program, um, which we, Camp Manitoulin has been a part of since 2013. And um, basically, the the goal of that program is to serve children um, uh, as children and families who are in status. So their parents are, are either wounded or fallen. Um, so we see kids from all five branches of the military um, and uh, really from all walks of life. Um, I talked to a family the other day that's coming up from Alabama or Mississippi uh, to come to camp um, and they look at camp as a second place. It's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place for them to get together with people like them that have had those same experiences, maybe have been moved across the country many different times and gives them a true opportunity to, to get together and, and a place where they can be comfortable and, and just be kids. Yeah, I will say that for anyone who may be uh, hesitant about that camp experience, um, 
my children started going to Camp Manitoulin through Camp Corral probably about seven years ago. I think it was about seven years ago was when my my oldest child went through and I think she went for two years and then the other kids started to to go behind her and it's a great experience they come back uh, some of them are hesitant to go at first they were hesitant initially the first year to go and then they came back you know after a week and and we're just like yeah when are we going back next year so you know I think that that's a great experience um for for kids to to get and it's it's also really good for parents to be able to get that 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 break too. Um, and so, uh, you know, I know that um, you, you have several camps. Um, is it too late for kids to sign up for any of the military uh, inspired camps? Yeah, I went to go look at that today, uh, today just like well, as we were interviewing. Um, the, the challenge with Camp Corral is that wide, um, this, the secret is out. Parents, parents register um, pretty much at mid there at midnight. I think this morning, this this year, they opened it up at 10 a.m. Uh, and some of the camps were full by by like 10.05 a.m. Um, so um, we definitely encourage families to keep an eye out. You can apply to be on the wait list, um, depending on where you're at um, in the country or where you're at in the region. Um, that you're certainly you could certainly uh, apply to be on the wait list. Um, there is there are some openings at uh, the 4-H Memorial Camp in Monticello, Illinois, which is fairly close to this region. So um, that's the only that's the only uh, camp corral camp that currently has spaces available. Um, we do also have a military family camp program um, that's going to be taking place uh, actually coming up the end of this month uh, and that was a grant fund that was generally funded by the wakey foundation um, basically you can bring your family out to camp for twenty dollars a person and uh, experience camp as a family so a lot of the same activities we would do with the kids we do with families um, on on uh, uh, on a on a weekend at the end of this month and folks can get registered for that which we do have space for uh, on our website Okay, and what website is that, Luke? Yeah, it's uh, www.grymca.org slash camp. And you can live anywhere in the state to attend camp, right? You can attend anywhere. And uh, we have campers from, from all, like I said, all over, all over the Midwestern region, uh, as, as far away as, 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 you know, the South, some places in the South. And, and so, um, you know, before we wrap up, just really quickly, do you, are there any, um, discounts for uh, military families to be able to utilize maybe this, the summer camps or the day camps at the Y? Yes. Uh, so we have a turn no child away policy. Um, so what we would have you do is fill out one of our financial assistance forms and you would include um, some documentation that, that shows your military status, whether you're active or retired. Um, and we do have some special uh, financial discounts and um, financial uh, assistance available for military families. Well, that is great information. I will say that if you're able to get signed up for uh, Camp Brown next year, definitely do that at the beginning of the year. I think it's when it opens. It's free for that week. Um, and so you just need documentation showing your, your injury or your, your, your status. So thank you so much for joining us today, Luke. Um, and then if you could share that website one more time. Yeah, it's uh, www.grymca forward slash camp. Thank you so much, Luke. And again, if you didn't get that information, you can give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. And we will make sure that we get Luke's information for you. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. And don't go away. When we come back, we'll be talking with Mary Drew from OK to Say. See you on the Veterans Perspective after the break.
Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. We are joined by our, our final guest, Mary Drew, on this month of the military child. Mary has been involved with OK to Say Michigan Student Safety Program for over nine years. The program was initiated by the Department of Attorney General, but the administration and promotion function of the program moved to the Michigan Department of State Police Office of School Safety in September 2020. Mary continues to manage the program with MSP. She's worked for over 10 years at Michigan State University of Criminal Justice as an outreach academic specialist, where she's directed the Michigan Safe School Initiative Workgroup and the Michigan Victim Assistant Academy. During her tenure at MSU, she's also served as a consultant for MSP Emergency Management and Homeland Security. Mary has a master's degree in public administration from Western Michigan and a bachelor's degree in education from Hope College. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you so much, Director. Really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you. And I, you know, it's just so fortunate to be able to have you on the show. Um, you know, my my humble beginnings with the state start as a uh, presenter for OK to Save when it was under the Attorney General's office as a contractor. And so to, to be able to come full circle and talk about it here on this show is, is a wonderful opportunity. And so, you know, I know that, you know, our listeners are probably wondering what is OK to Say? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Okay to Say is a student safety program that allows anyone to confidentially report potential harm or criminal activities that are directed towards school employees, school students, um, and at schools. It's really been a recognized at the national level as a tool to give students the ability to step up and speak up when they're concerned about their safety or the safety of another. You know, and, and Mary, you know, you've been involved with OK to Say for nine years. Can you tell us, like, how you became involved with OK to Say and, and, and why? Sure. Um, I just I just kind of felt like I was at the right place at the right time. Um, I had been working with the attorney general and we had something called our Michigan Cyber Safety Initiative. And that was through kindergarten through sixth grade. And we would go out and we'd talk to um, administrators and um, teachers and ask them, hey, are there things that you want us to focus on? And what became really clear is that administrators were saying, we know that kids know what's going on in their school, but they're not coming to us. Um, and we wanted to help try to break that code of silence. Um, to be honest, then something else happened. We had received a um, request from an administrator who had moved from Colorado to Michigan. And so um, they had a program called Safe to Tell in Colorado. Once we heard more about this program, we thought this is the right thing for our state to do. So we modeled a program or we developed a program called OK to Say, as I mentioned, and it's operational 24-7. What we know is that kids oftentimes talk with their thumbs. So what we did was create a system so that students could call, text, email, go online or download a mobile app and just be able to let a trusted adult know what was going on so that we could get the information to the right people who could intervene. Again, what we're trying to do is um, break the code of silence and help get kids the help they need before situations turn tragic. And, and Mary, that is that is a wonderful initiative. And, and, and OK to Say is a great program. And I know that, you know, under the Attorney General's office, it looked different. You know, we had 
presenters going in schools, giving presentations to school children and teachers on, on these very important topics. And, and we know that OK to Say covers a lot of those important topics like anxiety, depression, bullying, suicide, preventing school violence, cyberbullying, and substance abuse. Can you tell us how uh, OK to Say supports kids now that it's different? Well, we are going back into the classrooms and having conversations with kids again. We're starting off slow. We're trying to build back our team. Truthfully, to me, having conversations with students and empowering them to be able to step up and speak out, that's the most important thing that we can be doing. And in terms of really marketing the program, that has been the most effective way. Um, what I can tell you is as soon as we have a presentation and we empower kids and let them know about this tool, kids use the program almost immediately. So we can anticipate as soon as kids know about it, they're using it. They're stepping up, they're speaking out, and they're helping make a difference in keeping their peers safe. And that's exactly what we really want. We want to make sure that we're getting the information and then forwarded, forwarding the information onto the right people who can intervene. So if a student is getting bullied, for example, we contact the school and let them know. If there's a situation where um, a student is talking about harming themselves or harming others and the tip comes in, let's say after school hours, well, that may be a situation where we have to involve law enforcement and do a welfare check. Um, and then we're contacting the school and communicating. So really what okay to say is about is getting that information to the right people so that they can help get and support students who are struggling, as I mentioned. Well, I will say that the program really does work and I, I was able to see it in the lives of my own children where one of my children reported something to okay to say after talking and um, it actually saved lives at her school. So I, I will say that I will ask then this question for our listeners out there who may not be the youth, but they're the parents, the grandparents, the aunts, uncles of, of students out there. How can they become okay to say ambassadors or champions to share this information, whether it be social media or whatever, what can they do? Well, I think, I think just having conversations, just knowing that the program is out there um, and, and really helping to open up those lines of communication with, with students. Um, one of the things that I always try to stress is trust your gut. I mean, that to me is the key. S students know what's going on. They know when there's been a bad breakup. They know maybe who's using drugs at school. They maybe know um, who's thinking about harming themselves. They know who's getting bullied. They know maybe who's thinking about um, hurting themselves or maybe hurting others. And so one of the things we try to do and stress is trust your, trust your gut. And if something just doesn't seem right, please, please go to a trusted adult. And if a trusted adult isn't available for whatever reason, then there's always okay to say. So again, whatever we can do to open up those conversations and try to get kids to kind of let us know what's going on so that we can make sure that we can support students. Um, so again, just the awareness and opening up those lines of communications and empowering kids um, to, as I said, you know, use their voice to help those who may not be able to speak up for themselves for whatever reason. 
So is, can you share the number for this confidential line or even the text that, you know, students can use, parents can share with their students um, in order for them to uh, reach out if they see something? Absolutely. So the number is 8555, okay to say, which is actually 855-565-2729. But what we've also done is created a texting so students can text. And again, the number is okay to say, which is 652729 or email on okay to say at michigan.gov or our website is www.okaytosay.com. So, and then of course they can always download the mobile app. So that as a parent or as a, you know, an aunt or a grandparent, whatever you can do in terms of encouraging students to even download that mobile app so that they have the tools to be able to report it, you know, almost immediately when they know of a situation. And I think one of the other things is we're not asking kids to be detectives. We're just saying if something doesn't feel right, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have proof, just come forward, letting us know, because at the end of the day, we would rather have the situation be no big deal, or maybe there was a misunderstanding, to ever miss a situation where a student was reluctant to come forward. So again, you really wanna get this tool in front of kids so that they know how they can help others. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mary, on this very important topic. To learn more, don't forget to visit okaytosay.com and uh, we will have that information as well. Just remember, if you're interested in being a guest on our show or you have an idea of a topic, visit us at about us um, section in michigan.gov slash MDAA and scroll down to the Veterans Perspective link. See you next week on the Veterans Perspective.